0: All in in 2015, if the world is willing to go all in on a gamble, believers should be willing to go all in on God, because really it's all or nothing. So let's look at this today. We've talked about being all in and to intercede, all in in, in in interacting, and today we want to talk about being all in in investing. What does that mean to do that and what does that look like? If we're going to be a church that has major impact in our community, in our region, if if we're going to be a kingdom people that really, really honors God in every way, then these are things we want to look at for 2015. We've talked about prayer, how important it is. We've talked about sharing our faith and ministering to others. Today, I want to talk about how we give ourselves and how we give of ourselves in every way to magnify the kingdom. So, I want to tell you, invest beyond life here, and you will never outlive what you give. If we can ever understand, whether we're young or old, that if I can invest things that go beyond my life here today, it'll make a difference in the future. But as we, the Bible teaches, if we will invest in the future, in the kingdom, We'll never outlive what we give. It'll be amazing. We will always see the reward of what we've done for the kingdom here. So, two things I want to share with you. Number one, make it a priority to invest in God's kingdom causes. A priority. That means it's important. It should be first and foremost in your thinking, in your attitudes, and in your actions. And God's kingdom causes, he's made clear through scripture and through people who have You've probably heard from friends and from parents and pastor and staff and Sunday school teacher, and they've told you about the kingdom things of God. Let's process them today. Matthew chapter six, verse thirty-three says this: "Seek the kingdom of God above all else." Now that's pretty strong. I mean, that's that's kind of challenging because there's a lot of things we want to seek after. We want to seek after that job, that position, uh, that paycheck. We want to uh, seek after that that. That relationship, uh, that, that those things around us we would love to have, there's nothing wrong with that in its proper place, but seek the kingdom of God above all those things, more important than those things, and live righteously, being living right with God, and, and He will give you everything you need, and not everything you want, but everything you need. Because you have honored him first and foremost, and he never fails. So let's go on to the next verse as we look at this. Verse 20. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy, and thieves do not break in and steal. The great thing about heaven is there's nothing bad there. And actually, when he talked about this, you're saying, what does moths and rust have to do with stuff? Well, in this day, people had... They, they treasured their garments, and they had stuff, and, and he said, look, it's great that you got a closet that really looks great, but they're going to get old, and moths are going to eat it, and you've got stuff that's going to get rusty and break and get old. Invest where that doesn't happen, where things don't get old and where there is nothing that messes up what you have in heaven, and thieves can't break in heaven. You know, thieves aren't allowed to be in heaven. No, it ain't going to happen. He said, I got a place that everything you send on ahead of you is going to be totally secure. Wherever your treasure is there, the desires of your heart will also be. Meaning, where I, what the things I really treasure is the things I think about, hope for, and invest in with my life. And so he said, if you got things that you're investing in heaven, for example... There's, there's people I want to be in heaven, so I want to invest in their lives of how to share Christ, how to encourage them. I, I want to see people have a great life of faith in Christ, so I want to encourage and, and motivate and influence because I think that's important because that's going to last forever. I want to be a part of investing in kingdom causes. I want to give my money to the church because it makes a difference in, in missions around the world. For this church, we 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 supply Over 6,000 missionaries that do great things for the kingdom of God in our international mission board. So I want you to understand, this is what we do. We're sending treasures ahead. Now, what does that look like in an everyday life, whether you're young or old? What does it look like? Two things. Number one, uh, you will make the most of your time. Time is one of the greatest things we have. As a matter of fact, we're told that time has become more important than actually Money, it's become the new currency. People value time. They want to spend time with their family, time with their friends. They want to spend time with themselves. And they really uh, don't want to spend their life working all the time, and they don't want to spend their life just doing stuff that doesn't matter. They want to spend time with family and people they love and care about. That's a good thing. But in that process of, of, of prioritizing our time, how do we make the most of it? The challenge is to make the most of time for the kingdom of God. And he gives us 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. These are, this is a gift from God. He gives this to us. It's amazing how many times we say, I just don't have enough time in every day. Then you're doing some things you're not supposed to do. You're doing too much you're probably operating out of the will of God because he never does that to you. He doesn't give you more. Uh, He doesn't require more of you than is possible in the sense of time. He says, I give you 24 hours. Use it. Make it count. And if you're saying, I've got so much I can't get it all done, then you probably need to rethink how you're doing life. Honestly. Because here's what I find. If we're doing life that way, and we've got so pushed and so busy and so overwhelmed that we're doing all we can, we can't get it all done, do you know who we leave out? We leave out God. He goes to the bottom of the list. Well, I ain't got time for this, God. I, I ain't got time to do this because I'm doing all this other stuff. And we're not making time count. We don't mean to. It's not like we're doing it on purpose because we wouldn't ever do that to God. We wouldn't leave him out on purpose. He's God. But we get so busy. Our mind's not thinking. Our heart's not connected to our treasures in heaven. And therefore, we're just. he goes to the bottom of the list. May I challenge you how to make time count? in 2015 we talked about prayer earlier and how you can pray and I think you've got to do that daily I think you've got to daily have a conversation with God you've got to talk to him about what's going on at school, at work, at home in general life you talk to him about what's going on with you when you're on the ball field you can talk about you talk about it with him you can talk about your, your relationships in life and the business of your life and, but you can talk to him Daily, I think that has to be a priority. Somewhere you need to get a devotional book and just open it and take three, or four, three to five minutes and read something there, let it saturate your mind, think about it all day and talk to God. Cut out 15, 20, 30 minutes and talk to God on a daily basis because you need that because he is a vital part of your relationship. He is incredible to you. So don't get too busy. You ain't got time for him. He needs to be the priority of your life. It's an understanding in our office. You know, we're always doing a lot of stuff. We we talk. (laughs) We we meet and do all those things that staff does. And there's times I meet with people. And I, I do some counseling. But when we're just there, it's understood if our wives call, if our wives call, they're not Told that we're busy, we talk to them because of the priority of relationship. And, uh, you know, uh, they'll buzz me and say, "Oh, you know, you wife, know, someone I'm on. or they'll call, of course they call our cell phones. They so staff me if your wife calls, answer it because of the priority relationship. With God, it needs to be understood that you, you're ready to talk to him and, he's, and, and and give him time to talk to you daily. Weekly, there needs to be weekly worship. The Bible communicates that we, have a, a, we, we talk to him daily, we worship him weekly. As they did in the first church, the first day of every week, they met together and worshiped, which is what we call Sunday, and that's what we do here, we worship. Uh, we're told today that the average uh, person that goes to church, goes to church one out of three Sundays. That's kind of tough because you kind of lose track. If you're not careful, you lose connection. That's not healthy. So what do you need to do? I want to encourage you that you really worship once a week on Sunday morning. You come and you worship. You can't come Resolute on Sunday night. But you need to connect because something happens when you're around the people of God that inspires you, encourages you, motivates you, makes you feel good, Hopefully. Make the most of your time. Realize that this Sunday morning thing's real important. And I know we gotta go on vacations, we gotta spend time with family, and I know we got ball. Okay? I get that. But that cannot be the most important thing because God gives you time to do all that. So you gotta honor him. You got to worship him. So here's what I would suggest you do: if you got to miss Sundays, then do something with it to to say, okay, let me go to my iPad and pick up a worship service, or or let me uh, listen to a sermon. Let's get together and t- have a moment and spend some time and talk about God for a minute, and just uh, do something with Him. Let me tell you, when, when I was uh, my son played ball, and uh, this was the you know this was this back just a few years, and and uh, he was very talented. And the coach loved him. He said, man, we'd love to have him play ball. We're putting together a traveling team, love for him to play, but we, we're kind of hesitant to ask because want to talk to you because, you know, sometimes we'll play on Sunday. And I want you know we want him, but, so it's, you know, um, we just didn't know what to do. I said, well, I'll tell you what we're going to do. My son's going go to go to church on Sunday. And that's what he's going to do. After that, he can go play ball. If that's okay, if you guys can handle that, meaning he's going to be in church on Sunday, a, a Sunday morning, and be a part of Sunday school worship, and then uh, you know he will meet you somewhere. He'll meet you somewhere, and y'all. If you can live with that, that's fine. Oh man, we can live with that. We love to play ball with us, and you know we, we value him, and that's great Fine. And we had occasions where we'd go and do uh, like big tournaments out of the state, and we would take our vacation time and do that. But uh, even then, we would say, okay, guys, it's Sunday. We have got to play ball. Uh, we're going to, I remember one time, one time we was in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and, and we said uh, Sunday morning at, at, at 9 o'clock we're going to meet in a room. The hotel's going to so just meet and come together and have, have just time of a of, uh, little Bible study and worship. And, you know, the guys showed up, and their parents showed up. And one of my most memorable moments is a guy showed up who really never goes to church. He showed up. Got to talk about Jesus. Guys, somewhere has to be priority. God doesn't go to the back of the line over everything we want to do. So make the most of your time in worship weekly. Make it work. If you can't be here, make it work somewhere else. Maybe, maybe go to the church while you're on vacation somewhere else. Or, 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 or look somehow give, carve out at least an hour, forty minutes an hour on Sunday and say, God, I want, to, I want to honor you today. It's your day. I know the world is kind of confused that whole issue, but we still are who we are. Don't cheat yourself of that. Don't rob yourself of that opportunity, okay? So do that. Make the most of your time in worship, and then touch lives with love and grace regularly. Be open to talk to people, encourage people, pray for people. Invest in people as you go through life, as, as people cross your path. Pay attention if they have a need. Maybe they need to hear about Jesus. Maybe they need a word of encouragement. Be involved. Be connected. Make the most of your time. One thing we're going to do in uh, March the 21st, we're going to have a church-wide work day. I mean, it's going to be a big day. We're going to do a lot of things. We're going to feed you breakfast and lunch. And Eric's and, and, uh, got some things with the youth, and we're going to be doing things with uh, uh, the adults. Uh, there will be project lists. We're going to have this work. But I need, you need to be here. We're going to start early, go all day. We're going to, you can work and say, well, I can work a half a day. Great, work a half a day. Well, I can work two hours. Work two hours. Come be a part of something with us. Make the most of your time. And one day we'll accomplish things that's incredible. Get our building where it should be. Uh, give, give us a good cleanup and facelift and accomplish some things that make us appealing to people who may be looking for a church. So we want to do those things. Invest in that. Make the most of your time. Put that on your calendar now, March 21st. Write that down. Make it a priority. Carve out time for it. Okay? And the second thing is give out of grace. We look at this. Make the most of your time, but also give out of grace. Going to talk about your money just a minute. Now, guys, I don't want to, listen, I don't want to make you give. That's wrong. If I got to make you give, there's something wrong. I don't want to make you give. I can't really, I can't make you give anyway. The Bible teaches that we're to tithe. The tithe is 10% of what God blesses us in income. And we give out of that. We give offerings beyond our tithe because we want to be gracious and and give because God's given much. Tithing should not be legalistic. It should not be uh, manipulated. It should be the opportunity to give cheerfully because of grace. Because God's grace has given me so much. He's given me a brand new life. He's given me forgiveness. He's given me a purpose in life. He gives me the resources I need to accomplish that purpose. And therefore, let me give back to him. He has made opportunities for me to provide. uh, He's provided for me an opportunity to make a living and to do things and to purchase things that I enjoy. Give something back to him. And you're never too young to start that. Man, if you if you got a job, figure out how to give him the 10%. Now, I, I want to say this, and hear me, hear my heart. I, I'm not trying to, listen, don't give out of guilt. Give because of grace. I don't want to make you feel guilty so you'll give. That's the wrong motivation to give. You give because God is in love with you and he's blessed you. And you give because of grace. It's to be a joyful time, a cheerful time, because every time you give, you're saying, God, you have already given first, and I give back to you. Wow. You give out a grace, and then it becomes the grace of giving. Say, well, I'm not where I can tithe right now, Pastor. Okay. Start where you are. Start where you are. Start where you are. And begin to give systematically and consistently where you are, and ask God to help you get where he wants you to be. So when you make that commitment about giving, that's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about a legalistic thing. I'm talking about basically saying I want to, I want to be a giver. I want to give as God's blessed and, and 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 prospered me, and I want to give, and I want to give because of grace, not because I want to feel guilty, not because, you know, you're going to be mad at me if you don't. Listen, I ain't gonna be mad at you if you don't. All right, I'm not the one you're trying to please. I want you. To send something ahead, it'll be there when you get to heaven. I want you to understand that when you give to this church, you give to the ministries here. As you give to us, you're visiting hospitals through because our staff does that. You're you're ministering to people that are hurt and broken because our staff does that. You're 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 helping to send the gospel around the world through our missionaries, both here and around the world, guys. We are, we are sending relief and disaster relief to places in, in the country when things go haywire with the weather. We are doing amazing things. We're building wells in places where there's no water. You're a part of that when you give. And God honors that. I just think you make it a priority. When you're figuring out your bills, you figure out, God, what can I give you here that that you've asked, but can I honor you with this? It's the priority of giving. The woman who anointed uh, Jesus, he was at the the house of Simon the leper, and Simon had leprosy. God healed him, so he grew through a party. Said, everybody come eat at my house, because I ain't been able to touch anybody for a long time, man. I've been alienated, isolated. I want everybody to come over. We're going to have food. We're going to have a time. I'm going to hug people. Lepers never got to do that. And sure enough, there's a, everybody comes and in the process, one of the women, it says, came and anointed Jesus with, with, with oil from an alabaster box. She broke it open. It was worth 300 denarii, we're told, which is a year's wages. And she poured it on his head. And that Offering, that gift ran down his hair and his face, his beard, down across his body. And the disciples said, that was kind of a waste, wasn't it? <laughs> and Jesus said, oh, no, 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 no. And then old Judas, because Judas, Judas had a bad attitude about money anyway. He said, we could have given that to the poor. That really wasn't what Judas wanted to do, incidentally. But we ought, when you don't want to give to God, you make any excuse will do. You know how that is. And Jesus said, you'll have the poor with you always, man. That doesn't mean you elect the poor, ignore the poor, but you understand you honor me because I'll give what you need to give to the poor if you honor me first. See, God, if you honor God first, he'll provide what you need to accomplish his life purpose for you. That's just what you've got to understand. And somehow we've gotten away from that. We think, well, I ain't going to do that. because I, And, and we, we just think, I, I got nothing left. I don't want you to live that way. I want you to live where you release stuff to God and it makes a difference. Uh, you know, I think that's so huge. Um, you remember the little boy? Uh, Jesus had been doing great ministry and, and, and people, the crowds were following him and, and uh, there was a crowd of, the Bible says 5,000 men, all right? That means there's probably 12,000 in the crowd, maybe or more than that. Some say even more than that. I don't know. But it was men and some wives and some kids, and we know there was a minimum of 5,000. And Jesus said, the guys are hungry. They've heard me speak and teach, and they've traveled and followed me. Let's, let's feed them. And the disciples said, yeah, with what? We ain't got any food. There is no food. They're in a restaurant. We ain't got anything. And then one of the disciples, they found a little boy who had brought his lunch. Five loaves, two fishes. In case you're wondering about the size of a loaf, that each of those loaves is about the size of a crystal bun. Okay, and so you know, he had five of those and two pieces of fish. And they said, "We got a lunch." Can I tell you what's the most incredible thing to me about the story? You're going, "Well, they fed five thousand people plus. That's pretty incredible." Oh yeah, it is. Had twelve baskets left over. That's amazing. But you know what the most incredible thing is? A little kid gave up his lunch. Oh, that's the incredible thing. Here's a kid's mom's packed it for him. He's probably hungry because every kid I know is always hungry. You can't ever feed him enough. And he's hungry. And he's got this basket. And he's going, you want my lunch? You want my lunch? Yeah, I want your lunch. Can you give me your lunch? Well, let me give you half my lunch. <laughs> let me give you, let me keep, the, it's not Just and he gave the lunch away. And God did something so remarkable with that gift that we can't even calculate it. It doesn't make sense. But that's how God does his business. The little boy gave his lunch. And Jesus prayed over it. He said, can I give it out? And the disciples were going to do what? Yeah, give it away. And they fed thousands and took up. 12 baskets, and it was all came from a little boy's lunch. You say, Pastor, that doesn't make sense. I get that. I, I do. But God's trying to teach us that if we will honor Him and give, He will do incredible things miraculous things, supernatural things. And the truth is, the church somehow has become so practical, we've lost our adventure of being. Out there on the edge, man, watching God do stuff. (laughs) I was listening, I was flipping through the radio the other day, and uh, I heard this song. I think it was a country song, and all I heard was part of it, but I heard this one phrase I said, I got to tell the church Sunday because I think it's great. In the psalm, these are the words. I never saw a hearse with a trailer hitch. And I never have. You can't take it with you. You can send it ahead, but you ain't going to take it with you. Invest. The second thing I want you to get is this. Make it a purpose to invest in people for God's glory. Now, when we talk about resources, we're going to hopefully look at our time and our money, but also let's look at our spiritual gifts. Here's what it says in Matthew 5, verse 16. In the same way, this is somewhere on the mountain, in the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Meaning, I should be reflecting God and how I treat people, how I respond to people, and what I do for people, and my ministry and my mission to people. And when I do that... People see it and they go, man, I want to I know what makes you tick. I want to know what motivates you to do that. I'd like to be a part of that. So help. What do I need to know? And he said, well, let me tell you about Jesus, man. He's great. He's the reason I do what I do. He's the purpose for my good deeds and how I serve and minister to people. So I think you got to know, number one, motivate with your spiritual gifts. Romans chapter 12 says it's in his grace. God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. That means everybody has something they're supposed to really do well for the kingdom. Not everybody has the same thing. It's a good, that's good. We don't need to be the same. We need to be who we are in Christ. Well, so if God has given you the ability to prophesy, that means to kind of speak and be very bold and, and be very black and white about life, and, and you're, the, you're the crisis person that shows up, and God uses you in an amazing way. That's what you do. Okay? And then you speak out as, with as much faith as God has given you. Just, yeah, just share. And, and stand strong. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. Some people are supposed to serve other people. That's what lights their fire. And when you serve other people, it lights their fire. They do something. Serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. Those are people that like to multiply and equip people to do things for the kingdom. All right? And then if your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. Man, some people are just great encouragers. If it's giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, that's administration, Take the responsibility seriously. Be a people mover. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, that's mercy. Do it gladly. Man, you be that shoulder for someone to cry on. You be that person that has an encourage word that you can do it. You, you be that person that sometimes gives direction from a prophetic standpoint. You be that person that equips people to, to grow in their faith. You become the person God's equipped you and made you to be. All oh, that we would do that this year, man, motivational gifts light a fire in others. It's what moves the body of Christ in unity as we serve with our spiritual gifts. One of the, again, the amazing stories in the Bible for me is this: there's a guy named Barnabas, means son of encouragement. And he was a great guy, one of those guys you just love to have and fill the room. You know, he, was, he just made everybody feel good in the room. And a guy named Saul had a conversion experience. Saul of Tarsus had persecuted the Christians in Jerusalem. He had been mean. He was responsible for the stoning of Stephen. He was feared by the Christians. And now he has this encounter on the Damascus Road, and he, and he trusts Christ, and he becomes Paul. And, and, but nobody wants to have anything to do with him because they're scared of him. They're skeptical. They're going, man, we've we've heard about this guy. We don't know. This is a trick. He's trying to pull us in. He's trying to deceive us. We're not going to go for it. We don't believe him. And Barnabas says, let me check into it. Barnabas spends some time with him and comes back and says, guys, he's for real. We need to open our lives to him. We need to let him use his gift. We need to let him become connected with us. We need to embrace him as a brother in Christ. And he encouraged them. He encouraged Paul. And Paul, if you look back, that was a turning point in his life. God used Barnabas to build a great missionary to the Gentiles. We invest in people. You invest in people. Man, that's what you do. You invest in people. You invest in people that they can do great things for God. That's what we do. That's what we really do. God will send people that need your gift. And then you give out love and grace. Second thing. If I'm going to invest, I've got to give out love and grace. Romans 12.10 says this. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Enjoy it. Prefer that, push that person up, push that other guy up, make them the hero. Man, that's what you do. One last story. There was another time when Jesus was having a meal and someone interrupted. Sometimes we confuse the two, the the anointing at Simon the leper and the other one at Simon the Pharisee. Simon the Pharisee also had a dinner party, different Simon, and he invited Jesus to come, and they reclined at the table, meaning they ate on their elbows and faced the table and their feet faced away from the table. And and something happened that just kind of interrupted the dinner party a woman slips in and goes to the feet of Jesus and begins to wash his feet and cry over them and wash them with her hair. And Simon is irritated by this. He is saying "If that guy was really a prophet. If he really was who he said he was, then he would know that person is a sinner. All right? And he would not let her touch him. Now, just so you know, when he was saying that she was a sinner, it probably was indicating she was a prostitute. And here's this woman touching the feet of Jesus, weeping over them, drying them with her hair. And Jesus says, Simon, when I came here, you didn't wash my feet, which is instantly custom you were supposed to do, but she is serving me. She is washing my feet, even with her tears. It is incredible what she's doing. And she's done this because, yes, she has sinned much, but she's been forgiven for everything she's ever done. We go back to grace. Love. Give love and Grace. It's what Jesus did. For the believer, it's all in or nothing.